Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1, and we're going to look at the life of Zacharias this morning, and, uh, and, and I've entitled this message, A Dumbfounded Christian, all right? Uh, Zacharias was uh, dumbfounded, and I don't really know where that expression came from, uh, but basically the idea is dumbfounded is that you cannot speak, and Zacharias, uh, after he met with the Lord in the temple, was unable to speak, and so I, I felt like it was appropriate uh, and fitting, and a lot of times I don't have titles, I, I, don't, I don't come up with them, uh, but... Uh, but I don't know, that one just kind of, uh, I, I thought like, hey, it fit this section. So uh, Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 5, Luke 1, 5, the Bible says this. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word, how we can read it, we can study it. God, there is uh, an infinite amount of information in your word that we can just study, we can draw from. And God, every, every day there is uh, just something that we can gather, that we can uh, have in our life from your word. So, Father, I pray that you'd use me this morning as we look at the life of Zacharias, uh, a dumbfounded Christian in all reality. And God, I pray that you would... Uh, that you would use me. I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that this, uh, as we look at his life, God, there's things that we can learn, and I pray that we would learn from them. And Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, uh, this passage, uh, you know, I enjoy going over different Bible characters, to be honest with you, and learning from their lives. And we've been studying Bible characters in the adult Sunday school class. We've been uh, studying the life of Elijah and then Elisha, and we've kind of broken from that uh, just for Christmas. And we'll get back to Elisha after uh, the Christmas season. But uh, as we look at that, there's so many things that we can draw from uh, the lives of, of these people that were really surrounded in the Christmas story. 
and uh, Zacharias is one of them. And, and uh, some things that we can learn in their life uh, are, are things that we should do, and other things that we can learn in their life are things that we shouldn't do. And, uh, and so it's pretty clear and obvious as we go through these uh, what things are good and what things are not so good. And, uh, and so as we look at the life of Zacharias, I want us to consider a few things. The first thing that stands out right at the top of, of the, uh, this passage is not in verse 5, rather, but in verse uh, 6, it says, And they were both righteous before God. And as you look at that, I want you to realize this, that Zacharias lived a right life. Uh, he was righteous before God. I find it interesting because a lot of times we, we, as we study the life of Christ and we look at it, we, we notice a lot of the, uh, the Jews and primarily the Pharisees that were very much so against Christ and uh, were, were, were not impressed with him and they wanted to maintain their control. We see a, a religious system that is corrupted in the New Testament, by and large. And, uh, and we, we, we call that out. Jesus called that out. Matter of fact, he went into his, uh, the, the temple and he said, you have made my father's house a, a, a den of thieves in all practicality. And he turned over the tables and he called them out because of their, uh, their wickedness that they had put in place of the religion. And if we are not careful, we can get the idea that, that all of the Jewish religion in the time of Christ was corrupted. But I don't find that to be true. Matter of fact, when I read, I'm kind of amazed, to be honest with you, because I'm reminded that there was 400 years of, of, of silence when God, the, since the last prophet spoke till the coming of Jesus Christ, was roughly 400 years when a prophet did not say, thus saith the Lord. And to put that into perspective, America is not even 400 years old. And so uh, for a long time, uh, God had not spoken to a prophet or revealed anything new. And so for 400 years, they continued just doing the same religious things. And that's not to say that God was not alive or that those people were not devout, but rather there was nothing new from God and there was no new revelation. And for 400 years... They continued to serve God, just doing what they had always done. And so as we look at that, uh, it amazes me because here you have uh, two people. You have Zacharias and his wife. And, and even, even at, towards uh, the, in other passages, you find um, Simeon. Uh, the, the, the one of the guys at the temple and Anna at the temple who go to the Lord. And, uh, and, and so clearly uh, there were some people who were living right and doing right and they continued to do those things even in the service of the tabernacle. And there's something to be said for someone who does what's right. I love the words that they used here in verse number six. And they were both righteous before God. Now, I want to explain that that's not uh, sinless perfection, okay? Uh, they were not perfect in their life, uh, but they did live a right life. Look at what it says, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. In other words, hey, they were living their life in a right manner in accordance to the word of God. 
Um, and that's important for us to understand. Now, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But what, what they did have, uh, they did try to live and follow and, and even had gotten to the point where, hey, they were, they were doing fairly well at, at following the Word of God. Uh, and the Bible calls them blameless, and the Bible calls them righteous. And so uh, they were living a right life. Hey, listen, we have a lot more of the Word of God than they did. And, and I think, wow, the Bible, I'm reminded all the time of that verse, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And I think, man, we have more of a responsibility and more of a requirement on our heads than they did because we simply have more of the Word of God and we have the promise of the Holy Spirit and we have the indwelling of God in our lives. And so we have a lot more responsibility. But what we do find is that they were living right Hey, listen, the book, the Bible, will keep your life right. Uh, we found that it kept their life right. They were, uh, they were following the commandments of the Lord. It's mentioned there. They lived in accordance with the commandments of God. And listen, we ought to live uh, in accordance to the Word of God. Uh, it, in the, I heard it said, and I think I'm sure I had it written in one of my Bibles in the past. At the very front, when you open it up, it's not a verse, but it very well could be. And at the front, I had written in my Bible, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. There's a great truth there. Uh, it is a Bible principle because the Bible does say in, in Psalms 119 and verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. In other words, uh, we have to take heed thereto. Uh, I've given the illustration many times. Uh, if you're sick and you go to the doctors and the doctor gives you medicine and then you go to the pharmacist and you get that medicine, you say, man, I got the medicine right here. I'm holding it in my hand. I'm going to carry it around with me in my pocket. Uh, that medicine is not going to heal you or help you if you don't take it. Listen, you can have the Word of God and you can carry it around with you. You can have it in your home. You can, uh, you can even brush off the dust and carry it around with you. But if you don't read the Word of God and heed the Word of God, as it says in Psalm 119 and verse 9, uh, if you don't obey the Word of God, if you don't apply it to your life, then it is not going to help you just to carry it around or to have it in your home. And so we must follow and heed the Word of God. Uh, Psalm 119 is a wonderful chapter. It is all about the Word of God. And it goes on in verse number 11. It says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. I was listening to the messages when I was gone in Israel. And uh, so I go, go back and I was listening to all the ones that were preached here when I was not here. And, and uh, one of the messages was on memorizing the Word of God. Praise the Lord, what a great message. We ought to memorize the Word of God. Uh, there's something to having the Word of God hidden in your heart that the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. I want to challenge you. Memorize the Word of God. How do you obey the Word of God? You obey the Word of God by knowing what the Word of God says. You memorize that word and get it inside of you and, and, uh, and remember what it says and, uh, and ask God to help you. And listen, that the word of God will help keep you from sin. I want to say this as well. 
that the Bible defines morality for us. That's important. We live in a day and age when everyone in the world around us thinks that the government defines morality. The government does not define morality. The Word of God defines what is right and what is wrong. And, and the Word of God is an absolute. I've said this many times. As a matter of fact, I've reasoned through all of these arguments many a time with people. And, and, and there's people that say, well, you know, I, I don't follow the Bible. Okay, if you don't follow the Bible, then what is your moral compass? And many times they'll say, well, it's whatever I determine. Okay, so if you, you follow what you determine and you determine, well, that this is right and that this is wrong and that this is right and that this is wrong, but this guy determines that, hey, that this is right and this is wrong and you have a conflict, who is right? You both can't be right. What if, what if this guy decides, well, it's okay to kill people that you disagree with? That's his moral compass, and that's what he determined. There's no absolutes, and if there's no absolutes, then, then where does the line lie, and we cannot find it? Listen, the Word of God defines for us what is right and what is wrong. It's not up to you, and it's not up to me. It is up to the Word of God to define for us what morality, what is right, and what is wrong. And, and listen, uh, Zacharias lived his life in accordance to the Word of God. He had a right life. I love this. Not only did he have a right life, we're talking about him living right, but I want you to notice this as well about the life of Zacharias. He had a right attitude. You think about this. Zacharias, look at what it says there in verse number 7 at the last part. It says... Um, I'll just read the whole verse. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. How long had this been a problem in their life? Well, we don't know their exact age, but I can tell you this. It had been a problem for a long time. It had been a concern in their life for a long time. It had been something that they had prayed about for a long time. It had been something that bothered them for a long time. But I want you to notice this, that because of verse number 6, we're led to believe and we're led to understand that, that Zacharias had a right attitude with God. When you read that and you think about the fact that he had prayed about this for some time and that it had bothered him for some time, hey, listen, it's easy for people to get upset with God. It's easy for people to get bitter against God. It's easy for people to say, well, I prayed about this and God didn't give it to me, so I'm done with church and I'm done with God because God didn't do what I asked him to do. And listen, there's people like that that will walk away from God and use it as an excuse. Listen, Zacharias had an excuse to walk away from God, but he did not take that excuse. He said, listen, I'm going to live right before God regardless of if God does what I want him to or not. Listen, God doesn't always do what we want. God is, I, I have preached it on Wednesday nights, I've mentioned this, God is not a genie in a bottle that we should rub it and make our wishes and that they would come true. That's not the God of the Bible. 
The God of the Bible uh, is one that, yes, we can pray to him. Yes, we ought to pray to him. But listen, he reserves the right to withhold things from our life that even though we may deem them good, he will say no. One of the greatest examples of that is the Apostle Paul. You remember Paul, he, the Bible says that he had this weakness in, and this thorn in his flesh as he described it. And he never stated directly what it was. But the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, the Apostle Paul had prayed that this thorn in his flesh be removed. And, and he prayed, the Bible says, three times. And God very clearly said, no, I'm not going to take away that thorn in your flesh. You're going to have to live with it. You're going to have to uh, function with that. You're going to have to just continue with that thorn in your flesh. And so the Apostle Paul did, and that's when uh, God gave him those, those words that say, My grace, God speaking to the Apostle Paul, is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes we go through hardships. And sometimes we pray, God, take care of this. God, I'm asking you for this situation. And sometimes God will allow us to go through those hardships without relieving the pressure, taking away the problem, or in our minds, solving it according to what we deem he should do. And, and he's saying, hey, I want you to learn to be dependent on me. Zacharias, in his life, came to terms with that and said, God, obviously you have withheld children from us. Obviously, we have not been able to have children. And you know what, God? I'm okay with that, and I'm going to serve you and continue faithful in your service and, and doing what you want me to do, regardless of what I think should have been done. And Zacharias maintained a good attitude and, and faithfulness to the Lord. I think God really blessed Zacharias for that reason. Uh, and listen, uh, it's amazing that uh, the, this whole story, I mean, God had his purpose as well. Uh, by the way, there were plenty of people in the Bible that were right people that were barren. And listen, uh, I'm just saying that, the, that it, has, it was a matter of prayer uh, and it was something that was a problem. Uh, but nonetheless, he came to terms with it and he accepted what God would give him or not give him. And, uh, and, and I'm thinking that probably he came to grips with it years ago and just settled in his heart, settled in his mind that this was the way life was going to be, but he was going to be faithful to God regardless of the outcome. Not only that, does he have a right life and is he blameless and a right attitude and he loves God and serves God, but I want you to notice this, and I love this in verse number six. He, the Bible says, and they were both righteous before God. Not only did he have a right life, a right attitude, but I believe Zacharias had a right home. What an important point. Boy, Zacharias, you don't think it was just Zacharias that had the stress 
of not having a child. It was not just Zacharias. His wife Elizabeth had a, had a lot of that. Matter of fact, she's named in there uh, as being barren. And, uh, and, and matter of fact, that probably bothered her. But listen, all of the things that held true for Zacharias, the fact that he lived right, heeded the word of God, followed the word of God, maintained a right attitude. Hey, they all hold true for Elizabeth as well. And she was faithful to God. And she was faithful with accepting what God would uh, determine for her life. And listen, they had a right life, both of them, and their home was a right home. I want you to notice in verse number six that Zacharias lived right. Thank God for good examples in the Bible. Thank God for people who do right and live right and, and follow the word of God and, and, and have good attitudes and have a good life uh, because they're following God. Look with me in verse number eight. The next thing we find, not only did he live right, but I want you to notice in verse number eight that Zacharias ministered. Look with me in verse number eight. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. And so he was, he was ministering there in the temple. God established priests for ministering in the Old Testament. Uh, you don't have to go there for, for sake of time, but the word minister means this, to attend to the needs of someone or something. And way back in Exodus chapter number 30 and verse number 30, it was two times in the Old Testament, it was meant more than that, but, but we'll use this verse because it was concise and easy. And the Bible says in Exodus 30, 30, and thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And so uh, we see that, uh, of course, Zacharias and his wife, for that matter, were both of the lineage of Aaron. And, uh, and so uh, because of his heritage, then he was uh, responsible for ministering in the temple. And, and he did that. And uh, listen, uh, since the time of Aaron, really, priests had been ministering uh, in the tabernacle or in the temple in service to God. And, and that's what they did on a regular basis. They would go in, they would offer sacrifices, they had incense to burn, they had many responsibilities that they would do. And listen, it was a sacred duty. It was not something to be taken lightly. Uh, there, were, there were things that they had to do uh, before they ever went into the tabernacle or temple to do those things. And, and all of that is spelled out for us in the book of Exodus. And it's fascinating to read that. And, and what, I, what you can draw from that is several things things, but one of the things that you draw from that is that God is particular about a lot of details. And listen, we ought to be careful about those things. And, and we ought to be careful. We don't have to adhere to the Old Testament law, uh, but, but we can understand that God is a very detailed God and that he uh, did order uh, how things were to be done in the temple and how things were to be done uh, for worship. And, uh, and so it's very interesting to look at that and say God is concerned about those things and the details of our life. And listen, uh, as you think about it, God has saved us for ministering. Now, I'm not of the tribe of Aaron. Probably you're not of the tribe of Aaron either. 
um, matter, I could say I'm of the tribe of Levi because my grandfather's name was Levi, but, uh, but that would be uh, a misnomer, all right? It's not, uh, not entirely true. We're not Jewish. And, and so we're not even of the right tribe. We're not of, uh, of the uh, Jewish heritage or line, probably by and large, the majority of us. And so we don't qualify as priests. But listen, uh, we do live in the New Testament age where God saved us for the purpose of serving him. Praise the Lord for that. He calls us, uh, he calls us uh, a priest, a royal priesthood. Uh, because we're related to Jesus Christ and by way of adoption. And thank God for that, that we've been saved and been born again. The Bible says it this way in Ephesians. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. The Bible says this. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verses 8 and 9 are very clear, and we've used them many a times, uh, to show that our salvation is not based on our works. We cannot get saved by our works and our goodness. It's by grace and through faith. And we know that because of that. But go on to verse number 10, uh, because oftentimes we're dealing with salvation. We look at those two verses, but there's more to it. There's a context. And he continues in verse number 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Verse number 10, you can underline that phrase, uh, Christ Jesus, uh, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Hey, the reason that we are saved is so that we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ and do good works, which he ordained uh, that we should walk in them. Uh, in other words, hey, that we should live a Christian life. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, I believe it's number verse number 16, says, uh, and that men will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, when we live a good life, when we do things that are right, and when we, that is a service that we render to the Lord. And other people see those good works and they say, there's something different about that guy. And listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk. We ought to talk just as much. We ought to testify. But listen, our actions ought to line up with our words. They go hand in hand. If you proclaim you're a Christian and you live just like the world, then the world is going to spot that and they're going to say, eh, there's nothing different about that guy. I don't need what he has. There, there's no reason for me to even follow that. But if you live like a Christian and you walk like a Christian and you testify to other people, they're going to see that and they're going to say, they may never say it to you, but they're going to look at you and they're going to say, that guy has something that I do not have. And his life is different. And listen, that is a, a ministry 
that we ought to do. Uh, we ought to serve the Lord in that capacity. That is witnessing, uh, a form of witnessing. And we certainly ought to open our mouths. We ought to carry gospel tracts and pass them out and let people know, this is why I show up for work on time and I do a good job and I, I try to do this and I'm honest and I don't hang around uh, the crowd that's going out partying and doing those things and that my life is different. Why? Because I'm a Christian. I'm born again. My life has been changed. God changed me. And, and if we do that, hey, that is a ministry that we can have and we ought to have before the world. So Zacharias was busy and he ministered unto the Lord. I've heard a preacher say this one time and I thought it was funny. I, I don't know why I remembered it, but, uh, but he said this, he was preaching away. He said, God didn't save you to sit there on your blessed assurance, but he saved you to get up and serve. Now, it's well worded and it's true. And, uh, and I don't remember the rest of it, but boy, there's, you know, sometimes we were saved and we think, well, this is our blessed assurance. Well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord for me. No, he didn't just save us so that we could sit there on our blessed assurance. Hey, we ought to get up and go tell other people. We ought to let other people know that, hey, he is in the saving business and that he will change their lives. And listen, we can serve the Lord in many capacities of service. I mean, cleaning the church. I'm thinking specifically about the play practice. We had play practice in here yesterday, and I didn't. I was not here, but they, the kids had play practice. And, and uh, hey, listen, working with those kids, that's a ministry. Uh, teaching junior church, teaching Sunday school, running the van route, uh, cleaning the building. That's a ministry. Running the sound, uh, singing special music. All of those are ministries that you can do and serve the Lord in some capacity or other. And so we find that Zacharias ministered unto the Lord. I love this because the Bible tells us that, uh, that he was... Uh, that he was, in verse number seven, well stricken in years. You know what that tells me? Not only did he minister, but he ministered faithfully for years. Man, I, I tell you what, it thrills my soul to see people that are just faithful to the Lord year after year. I call names of people that are sitting right in this auditorium. Years, years, years faithfully serving the Lord. Thank God for that. That's a blessing. Zacharias was faithfully ministering for years as he ministered to the Lord there in the tabernacle. I want you to notice, or in the temple, look, at, look with me in verse number 13. I want you to notice this about Zacharias. Not only did he live a right life, not only did he minister, not, but I want you to notice in verse number 13, the Bible says this, but the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. That tells me that Zacharias prayed and spent time and made this thing a matter of prayer. Listen, how we ought to spend time in prayer. It, it is clear and evident that Zacharias and undoubtedly Elizabeth had made this problem in their life a, prob, a, a matter of prayer. Listen, we ought to pray. We ought to ask God. Listen, if there's, there's a, a thorn in your flesh or something that, that bothers you, hey, take it to the Lord. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33.3, some people say that's God's phone number, all right? Uh, Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee... Um, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. 
God doesn't always answer the way we expect. God doesn't always answer uh, the way we want him to, but he will answer and he will hear our prayer. And, and sometimes it's totally unexpected, but I want you to notice that Zechariah and his wife undoubtedly were people of prayer. And oh, how we ought to be people of prayer and make a matter of taking prayer requests to the Lord. I want you to notice a blessing in Zechariah's life. In verse 13 through 17, we, for sake of time, we won't read it. But I want you to notice, look with me in verse number 12. I found this interesting. And when Zacharias saw him, in verse number 11, the angel appears to him while he's in the temple ministering. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I thought this about Zacharias' blessing. It was unexpected. And sometimes... We get so used to doing things. Zechariah didn't go to the temple that day serving the Lord, expecting to hear from God. Isn't that interesting? He went to the temple that day to perform his duties and serve the Lord just like he had always done for years of time and for, uh, for the things that he was doing. And, and he, he did that uh, not expecting to hear from God. And I thought, boy, we ought to be careful that we don't get stuck in a rut of service and doing the same thing over and over and over and not expecting to hear from God. Now, I don't expect an angel to show up when we come to church, okay? Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and, and listen, really, in the Old Testament, um, it was rare occasions that an angel would show up and give news from God. In reality, that had not happened for 400 years that we have recorded. There was no known revelation from God to man. But here it happened. And so here's Zechariah, and it was unexpected. But may we not stop looking for God and looking for answers from God. May we not become uh, mundane in our service, mundane in our worship, and just uh, everything just is like a, a, a rut that never changes. But may we look for God to do something and to move in our life, in Zechariah's life. It was unexpected. It was untimely. Zechariah, it says there in verse 7, I've pointed this out several times now, uh, well stricken in years. Look at the verse 18. He says, Zechariah himself says, uh, at the last part of the verse, for I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. One would think if God was going to do something, that God would have done something in the younger years of their life. One would think that had they prayed about it and, uh, and, and that, that, you know, while the, if God was going to work a miracle and if God was going to give this couple children, that he would have done it in, in a younger time frame of their life. But that's not what God did. And sometimes God does things in our life in a way that only he can get the honor and glory for. And we look at that, and it was certainly untimely as he was well-stricken in years, and his wife was well-stricken in years. And what I want us to understand about that is, listen, we need to be careful that we don't ever lock God in a box. Zacharias and his wife could have said, well, I guess it's not going to happen. 
And sometimes we can lock God up and say, well, I don't think this is going to take place. After all, if it was going to take place, it would have taken place sooner. And sometimes God's timing is not our timing. And, and we need to be careful that, that, uh, that, that we don't say, well, God's not going to do anything. Uh, because God certainly did do something. It was unexpected. It was untimely. And it was unprecedented. You look at, at, at Zacharias's life and, and listen, this thing had only been done uh, one other time. You go all the way back to Abraham and Sarah. And they also were well stricken in years. They also were, uh, were, were, were uh, but they were given a promise and, and God did fulfill. And, and I'm just saying that it was a, quite a miraculous thing. And sometimes God will do things that are, are miraculous in our life. And, and we need to be, be uh, just aware that, that God is able. I'm not talking about crazy things. I'm not talking about, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, hey, let's have a healing service and come up here and I'll slap you on the forehead. I'm not talking about that. But God's not dead. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a God who is able to work in our lives. We need to be aware of that. And it was an unprecedented uh, thing that God did uh, for Zacharias and for Elizabeth. And then I want you to notice this. We'll, we'll read these verses in verse number 18. Look what it says. After the angel makes this announcement to him, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. This is just plumb out Zacharias' own fault. He said, God, I want a sign. God said, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. I'm going to seal your lips. You're not going to be able to talk. How do you like that? Look at what he said there in verse number 19. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Like an angel showing up to give you these glad tidings is not enough of a sign that you go ahead and ask for a second sign, then that's your own fault. Verse number 20. Uh, and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. We have the truth of the matter there all coming out in verse number 20, that because Zacharias really didn't believe, it wasn't that he needed a sign, it just, he was dumbfounded. He just was beside himself. He couldn't imagine. I'm old, my wife is old, and we've prayed for all these years, and we've just decided that it was not going to happen, that it would not take place, and now it does, and he was just uh, amazed and, and in disbelief in all reality. And listen, sometimes we can find ourselves in disbelief of what God is able to do. And I'm just telling you, we've got to be careful. He asked God for a sign. And God gave it to him. He said, all right, you won't talk. He went out of that temple, and he wasn't. People, people were like, if you read the whole passage, he the Bible says he tarried long. 
In other words, it took him longer. Everyone knew how long it would take. Uh, they, they were undoubtedly, oh, you know, uh, Zacharias, he's usually good. He's in and out in five minutes, has the incense burning, and it's all good. Now, sometimes, uh, I'll just throw another name, uh, Aaron Jr., he, he goes in, and he's a little longer. He takes about seven minutes to get it all going, you know. And, and, and I'm sure that they knew. They had gone to the temple uh, time and time again. They knew what was going on, and, and it took longer for Zacharias this time. And I'm sure in their mind, the people were wondering, what is going on there that is taking so long? And so when Zacharias came out and, and he couldn't speak, the, and the Bible says he beckoned unto them to come to him by his hands, and they all realized something happened. Zacharias can't speak. And, and, and I love this. This is the first tablet in the Bible. No, probably the second. I think Moses had the first tablet. But uh, uh, he beckoned for a tablet, and then he wrote out what had taken place. And, and the whole story eventually came out when he eventually had to write it all down. He couldn't tell anybody what had taken place because God had sealed up his vocal cords for unbelief. May we be careful that we don't unbelieve. You say, well, pastor, I've been in church a long time. Hey, Zacharias was right before God. He had served God for, the, for a long time. He had a right home. He had a right attitude. He, he, was, he made it a matter of prayer in his life. And, and, and all of these things, but still he struggled with unbelief. And that tells me that, hey, we need to be careful about not believing God. And sometimes we'll say, well, I've, I've lived all this time and I've never seen it before. Listen, God can do stuff. And I'm just telling you that we need to be careful because God is able to work and, uh, and able to do things. And we need to trust God. And so he was un his bl blessing was also unbelieved. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, lessons that we can learn from the life of Zacharias, what a great example to us of many things that we can learn. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you would help us to believe you, to trust you. God, again, I'm not talking about crazy things. You, God, you know the crazy day that we live in and how people attribute crazy things to you that are not of you. But God, we also know and realize that you're not dead. We serve a living God. We serve a God who hears our prayers. And so, God, I pray that we would trust you. I pray that we would pray about things. I pray that we would have a right life and a right attitude. And, God, that we would serve you and minister before you. And, God, I pray that when you do move, that we would believe and know that it's you. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God spoke to your heart, the altar's open. You can pray there in your seat. Whatever the need, maybe the, the lesson, live right, serve the Lord, pray, watch for God's blessing. Doesn't mean we'll always get what we want. We know that. But God will bless maybe in other ways and maybe in other areas. But we need to trust Him.